Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody, and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock here in the UK. Oh, my, how the nights are drawing in. It's actually dark outside now. Not just a little bit. It's, it's headlights on. Proper dark, I'm afraid. Series 15, episode 35. Uh, and fairly uninspiring weekend of motorsport to look back on other than a bit of excitement from Pikes Peak which I thoroughly enjoyed on Sunday and some cracking interview subjects as well well done everyone from Mobile One who set those up for us Tim Gray is up in London and on a packed programme in from London town tonight uh, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features excellent uh, but we don't Sorry, just looking uh, to make sure that uh, everyone could hear me. Uh, we have I can hear you. That's all that matters. Yes. And Nick Damon can hear me, and he'll be with us uh, shortly uh, for some news. Uh, we've Hooray. got a pointless press release for the week candidate. Uh, Shane Adam will be joining us later on as well. We're going to be uh, looking ahead to this weekend's IMSA racing. We'll be talking to uh, Nick Tandy about uh, stress. And uh, we've also got a big interview coming up just after nine o'clock, plus uh, all the other which things is that we normally do. Which is also a bit more news about Haggerty Radio Le Mans in our Ooh. big interview as well. That's that's the keep our fingers crossed for the technology technology for that just after nine o'clock tonight. That's all I'm seeing for that at the moment. All right. Uh, shall I do a few parish notices? Do. Uh, uh, right, at Specutainment, uh, if you would like to get in touch with us here. Uh, hello to Sarah Rigby. I'm waiting to find out from Sarah if her evening clinic is finished. She might need to AFA for the first part, but she's keeping her fingers crossed she'll be back for this. Hello to David Raleigh, to Michael Rennick. Hello, Michael, over in the US at Atlanta. Uh, Rob Chalmers, Jonathan Azor, all listening uh, tonight. Uh, oh, sorry, no, Jonathan's not. Apologies for absence. Got to work whilst you're working. Quick note. Uh, I was playing Real Racing 3 the other day in an IMSA race. I missed, but imagined, live commentary from IMSA Radio. Very good. Phil Kinch, hello to Phil. Xavier Ayeris. Uh, Brody, still in the garage. Heavens, Brody. What are you doing in there? No apologies from Martin Webster, who's listening live. Uh, Dave Olcott as well. Looking forward to Nick Tandy uh, later on tonight. 
Uh, that, that was a recorded interview before the announcement was made. Although we did talk a little bit about it, even though we kind of weren't supposed to. Hello, the turtle. Apologies for late tuning. AFLTI. Need to dash out the door of a lift chip so I can pop on the live broadcast for the first time in a while. Might get some work done on the Rolt Sports Racer for the upcoming SCC air runoffs. Excellent turtle, that's what we like to hear. Neil Gardner is tuned in for the first time live in a while. Neil, good to hear from you. Hope you're fitting well. How's the new van coming along? Uh, hopefully well. Need to see some more pictures of that, if you don't mind. Kevin Payne's li listening live tonight. Always fun to listen to Nick Damon, he says. Uh, Serafina Chu listening, uh, looking forward as usual. Ian McCarthy, no airfares for Macca this evening. A particularly muggy evening. Offset, though, by a particularly frosty eel. That sounds like a particularly good combination, Ian. Still grinning about that brilliant race on the Nordschleife. Uh, this, that was the highlight of the, the weekend, circuit racing-wise. Absolutely no doubt at all. Hello to Matt, Horty Hawkins. Le Mans just a few weeks ago, looking forward to listening uh, whilst at work. Daniel Summergill, Summerskill listening tonight. After watching F1, F2, F3, IndyCar, couldn't help notice the amount of whinging and anger over team radio. I know, it's getting ridiculous, isn't it? Stop them. Just make them look at the boards. Uh, Sarah Rigby, by the way, I'm just hearing it's an update. Will be on time, so she's listening live now. Uh, Oliver Giles, literally just finishing list listening to last week's show, but listening live tonight. Angus Martin, uh, might be the best year for those competing in lower-level national championship. For one reason. Fans, am I right? You are right, Angus. Uh, the West Coast Cube is tuned in. That's uh, Moni. Hello, Monica. Good to know you're tuned in. Don't do too much of the schoolwork. I know that starts again this week. Preparing for Le Mans 24 in the Warwickshire countryside in just two weeks, says Chris Suku. I need more details of that event. Uh, also, Carol Brink, uh, both Carol and Kevin, tuning in for a fog timber. Monterey, they can barely see Monterey Bay this evening. Uh, who else is in tonight? Oh, Team JTR, Jotani Racing, waiting for the boss tonight. Hello to uh, Chris, to Simon Hoff, listening live, all caught up on the weekend's action. Spoiler alert, United made that one work in the end, yes, true. Eric Offerdahl, listening live for the second week, fussy newborn and all. Hoping the sports car news will soothe him. Hello, off a dull miner. It's fine. Stop listening to the voice, it'll be fine. Hot Atlanta afternoon. Victor Ellis uh, thinking about Chadwick Bosman. Not as lucky as I did. Call on cancer, take Chadwick, of course, we know recently. Get yourself checked before it's too late, says Victor. Absolutely agree. Joe Bradley, if you're listening to this, it's time to get checked. I've had it done. It's not as unpleasant as people say it is. That's a public service announcement there. Patrick Drone listening. Uh, our right turn lover. And uh, Don Kerr. Colin Mullen tuned in. Patiently waiting to be at the... Uh, Mullan, sorry. Uh, patiently waiting to be at the racetrack soon. Uh, who else? Gentleman Green Racing. Listening live on a, on a dodgy 4G connection. Ryan Parkins. Uh, tuning in the podcast PCGB Season 2 Test Race tonight 
Fantastic. And Tron Valentine, first check-in of the year, saving the pro- podcast for my Friday drive to Road Atlanta, which we'll be covering live this weekend. Let's play the jingle and have the top story on Midweek Motorsport. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Shuffled of papers. Papers have been shuffled. Shuffled. Uh, and our top story tonight takes us where, Tim Gray? Uh, well, first of all, can I introduce our bike correspondent, Nick Damon? Uh, good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Because we are going to start Nick has with come bikes. on his push bike tonight. Yeah, on his pedal bike. <laughs> it was raining. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you thought about the motorcycle, though, didn't you? And then it rained. And you are a fair weather biker. I, with the badge and the T-shirt and the hat. Right. Super. Super. Moving on. Oh, we haven't gone anywhere yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, victory at Jerez for Fabio Quattraro. That's weeks ago. Was it? Yes. It was World Superbikes last weekend. Uh, well, Jerez Long was, series, was the yes. fir- the GP, the MotoGP at Jerez was, what, six weeks ago and five weeks ago, wasn't it? Two, uh, three events ago. Two events ago. Three events ago. Three two, events ago. Two, two Austrias and... Uh, Renaults before in between this. These why, why are you bringing that up, Tim? I've just got it uh, listed. You've just having, had a press release from somebody, haven't you? I have just had a press release from someone. Well, six weeks late. Well, it's dated the thirtieth, so which was Sunday. So I assumed that the race happened on Sunday. No, 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 no. There was, was no more to keep at the weekend. Let's talk about bikes uh, from Aragon. Bikes, then. What from Aragon? <laughs> yes. Go on, that then, definitely happened. All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Night. Just another brick in the wall. I missed what you said then, because John was, was, was doing... Highlights were on the weekend, he said. Yes, they were. Highlights were last night. And it was uh, a three-race spectacular Aragon. They're there again next week, aren't they? Doing a double a double header at Aragon. And, sorry, this weekend. And it was the first race was won by Scott Redding uh, from Chaz Davis for Ducati 1-2. And it catapulted Scott back into the lead again. Uh, getting past from poor old Johnny Ray, and then we had the sprint race uh, in the morning. And Johnny, Johnny Ray run that, but well, won that because he's contractually obliged to do so. He has won every one, all of the sprint races. Yes, so, far. so it just goes to show that when yeah, obviously there's a, a the entire management terms. The Kawasaki is obviously not as good as the Ducati because it wins every single short race. It's burning through the tire, and then they had the second race, and uh, Johnny, Ray, Johnny, Ray, Johnny Ray won. Oh, I can't say Johnny Ray though. Johnny Ray won that one as well. And this time it was Scott. Point at me when you want to say Johnny Ray. Okay, right. I, 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 Johnny Ray won again because Scott Redding had a bit of a fade. Uh, Johnny Ray got into the lead, and uh, Scott Redding was second, and then but slowly Johnny Ray. Oh, I've got nothing, didn't they? Ah, I see. Yeah. See, you weren't thinking about this. Exactly. Left brain, right brain. That's thing. it. Johnny Ray pulled away, uh, but Scott Redding fell backwards, and Chaz Davis came after him, but didn't get past. But the major talking point of that second uh, second long race was Alvaro Bautista scored Honda's first podium for years. Oh, as the Fireblade comes good. I'd spec your team, and Neil Gardner's just sent me Susie Wolf. Spurgs. Uh, this is the name for his new van. <laughs> oh, Ready right, for okay. a, a week's camping in uh, in Norfolk. Excellent. Well right. done. Uh, so at the end of all that, it is John. Oh, sorry, uh, I've got another name you can do in a minute. It's Johnny Ray is first on 189 points. Scott Ray is second, 179 points, and then it's Top Rack. <laughs> Rasgat Leogio. Thank you very much. In third, in a very good weekend. And the Yamaha 124. Chaz Davis his best weekend so far of 120. And Michael Van. So anyway, so it's it's turning very much down to a two-person race. Um, and 
even though it does seem that in many ways the Ducati is a little bit quicker, um, there's a big advantage coming in the final rounds of the season because there are tracks in which Johnny is well-versed, but Scott Reddy will be going for the first time, places like um, uh, May Core and places like that. So, But very finely balanced this year, which is good to see. I do like Aragon, um, and mm. I, I don't understand why we don't race cars there more often. No, it's a good point, actually. There's, there's not much car racing. I know, I'm a, sure. lot of, a lot of people test there, but very pe- very few people rate that, very few uh, car races well, there. There's no reason for it, but I like to But this weekend, there's going to be a Ferrari racing there, isn't there? Okay, go for that. Is that another press release you've got? This is Matteo Ferrari. Oh, who uh, is going to be uh, <laughs> substituting for Leandro Mercado. Uh, yes, he got he got taken off by um, uh, Tom Sykes, who overcooked or got punted himself off, managed to rescue it brilliantly, and unfortunately come across the track and knock him off. And I think he did his ankle, didn't he? Oh, nasty. Um, but but yeah, no, 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 no one's real fault, to be honest. Matthew Hyman says, in the World Superbike second race, did Bautista, Alvaro Bautista do enough to convince Honda to allow him to have a run out in or GP while Marquez is out. No, they give, they give up on my stupid, haven't they? They've yeah. they got a year of running around. And, um, it's a good question, Matthew, but you I, know, they, I, I think you're thinking more about it than Honda are, frankly. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, got, they, they've had a bit of a resurgence from, and honestly, my, my mind this evening, obviously, is overly sugar. Um, the Japanese rider in the, in the satellite team, what's his name? Who's doing really well from being not very good this year. Hold on. Tweet. Um, I apologise for my brain a moment. I think I'm a little bit, you know... It was very, very good lunch, by the way. Dinner. Dinner. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fine when Nick edit, uh, when Tim edits it later. Tim's not going to edit this. You can't <laughs> edit it out. Nakagami. Taku Nakagami. Taku Nakagami. God, blimey. Yeah, this... You can see why they pay me to do this show. Oh, hang on, they don't. Um, anyway, so... See why we keep having you back. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm good for all those. Yes, Nekagami has, has certainly outperformed what we thought he would do in the Honda. So. And he's on the 19 bike as well, don't forget. Yes, he is. He's no, I think he got... I think he has no, got he's on the 19 bike because he's been looking at... Um, Previous Mark's, bits of da- of Mark's data from I last thought, year. I thought he was on the, they'd given him a 20 bike because of Mark not being there. No, nope. I think he's still... Uh, anyway. I'd spec if you know better. Well. Right. Uh, Rotation says, can I have permission to be as disparaging about Formula One as Nick was about the World Championship between 20, uh, 2006 and 2030? You can this weekend. World Rally Championship. Yeah. We'll, we'll come to that later. Right. Uh, because we do have another bike story. Excellent. Why has uh, Miguel Oliveira made the news this week? Well, yes. I, I, he is getting, he is engaged and is going to be marrying his stepsister. Which is, of course, absolutely fine. But they're not raises, related. Raises an awful lot of eyebrows. But apparently they've known each other. Obviously, they've been, been together for a number of years. Um, they've been an item for 11 years. And they come pop gone public with it on part of the engagement. But they're um, not related. I know. It's a kind of a... It is actually illegal in some states in America. You're not allowed to marry, be involved with your stepsisters. And brothers. There's so much I could say right there, no, but no, I'm but moving I, on. No, but it is. I'm just, just uh, which, which surprised me. But yeah, I mean, they are. They've they've met through. They they are as unrelated as anybody else's. But it's you know, it's, it's got a bit of prurience about it, hasn't it? People have gone, oh, but they're not related. I know. I'm going to keep seeing. I it. know. <laughs> it would be. It would be like two children of two people just who ha- just knew each other. Yep. 
or even if they're dated. I know. I, it's like your kids and your but kids. I'd like to point out, it's all over the papers. Why? I don't know. They're not related. I know. But then again, in some states in America, it's illegal. I, I don't even want to go there. I he really proposed don't. a year ago. Did you have, did you have was, was she a very long way away, and it's only just gotten to her no, now? She she was trying to put him off and said, "Yeah, yeah, when you win a when you when you win a MotoGP race, we'll get married there." Now she goes, "Oh God, <laughs> can't do it now." <laughs> if you win the world championship, if you're ahead of Mark Marquez by halfway through the season, yeah, that was on. Yeah, yeah. If you if you ever outscore Mark, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, good luck to him. It's nice, but a nice story of people in love. How lovely. Mm-hmm. Very good. John, They're you have related. the next story. Bentley Motorsports customers join forces for full Intercontinental GT Challenge campaign. Now, we, we were going to have Paul Williams on to talk about this, but he was too busy talking to Adrian Hallmark, who's his boss, which is fine. We didn't want to interrupt that. Was Adrian, was Adrian Hallmark marking his card? Ha ha! Very good. I see what you did there. I uh, was probably saying congratulations. <laughs> yes, he was. Oh, I don't do well <laughs> uh, was, he, was he giving him a cheap teddy bear, which overpriced? No, very good. <laughs> uh, the uh, Adrian actually, I haven't seen for years, um, and I, I, I must catch up with him. It's great to have him uh, at Bentley. Uh, remember, oh, start of the year. Was it just? Be, was it just as we went into COVID? That that Paul was on the show saying that they were having to, to just gently look at what they were doing uh, with the. I thought it was April time, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was about then. He was he was very generous. We went up there, of course, earlier on in the season, and they even fired up the two. Uh, in fact, they they fired up the Le Mans winner for me to warm it up whilst I was standing there in one of our um, behind uh, inside stories. I was going to say behind the scenes inside stories of of Bentley Motorsport. Um, well, the good news, if you're a, a fan of the crew crew, very good, um, th- then uh, they are back scoring points in the Intercontinental GT Challenge. Very clever, actually. What they've done is, as you know, they've got a number of customer teams who are still competing and not everybody is going everywhere, but in a brilliant piece of diplomacy I reckon Bentley have managed to persuade the series to allow all their customer teams to score points as manufacturer so Capex will be scoring points in the States their other three teams will be at uh, Spa 25 hours yes 24 plus clocks change yes Uh, and then M Sport are going to get fired back up to go to Kyle Army later in the year nice so they will get to actually have have been scoring points in all the rounds. Uh, we're going to try and get Paul and a couple of the drivers on next week so we can follow that story off. They were up t- off to a lot of people driving today. Paul was with his with his boss. Uh, the drivers were on their way to Nürburgring, I think. Um, so might well be yeah. Yeah. So we couldn't get um, them on the show this evening, uh, but we'll we'll try and get some comment next week. It'll be good to hear the background behind that story. But good news if you're a follower follower of Bentley. Uh, it's in the Midweek Motorsports Series 15, episode 35. That's proper news, that, by the way. Proper news. Um, well mo- thank you. You get Moving badge on. everything. Badge. I've got my Blue Peter badge and everything. And my Cracker Jack pencil. Uh, where would you like to go next, Tim? Uh, I'd like to go to Formula One next. Hooray! I've been waiting. I'm powered up for it now. And I know the name of most of the people in this event. Good. <laughs> I... 
the least inspiring Spa Grand Prix that there's been in my lifetime. It started well, trailed it off did. a bit towards the middle. How did it start well? There was action. It didn't start well, didn't start well for Carlos Sainz, did it? Didn't no, start it well didn't for start Carlos Sainz. Didn't start at all for Carlos Sainz. No. And in fact, Carlos Sainz is where we're going to start for next team-by-team review of the Belgian Grand Prix. Are we starting that way? Oh, well, off we go. First he was, all, the, he was a, the fir- effectively I, the first I, retirement. I feel it's my contractual obligation to, to disagree with um, John about the excitement of the of the race. Surely however, you can't this However, way. I only watched the hour highlights and they were dull. Um, so it was dull, dullity dull. It was, it was the, yeah, no there's, no, there's no there's no way of getting around it. It wasn't very interesting. I watched the um, whole thing, but not until Monday. And I thought what was really missing was Ted Kravitz. And not really? only was there no Ted, there was no anyone trying to substitute for Ted there. Well, you can't substitute for Ted. I mean, and that and that I is and that, that is very. Did. But but also that wouldn't have made the race any better. No, no. But, but, but I might have learned and, something. And those, well, that's true. But and, and those countries that don't get Ted or have their own versions of Ted, I'm pretty certain they didn't think the race was any better either, Tim. To be honest. No. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great, and um, so McLaren, number, number, hang on, one of the main, more one of the reasons for that is exactly at the British Grand Prix, um, the safety car came out at exactly the wrong time because it was early enough to take your hard tyres, but still long enough to have to then really be nice to them to get to the end. Of course, in the British Grand Prix, they didn't quite make that, so we had a very exciting last three laps. But effectively, Spa was what the British Grand Prix would have been if we had had those punctures. Remind me that I, that when you get to Mercedes, I've got something to say. Because by the time you Last. get to that, I might have dozed off. Okay. okay. So Carlos Sainz didn't start the race because he had an engine failure, which then brought about an exhaust failure, an engine power, an engine power unit problem, which then brought about an exhaust failure. So he didn't even start. So Carlos Sainz didn't start the race, and was, but was happy enough to see the massive fall from grace of his team he's joining next year. Well, I, I was going to say he's just getting used to what he'll be get watching next year. Well, they start the races. Mm. Don't do what they're on there. Anyway, I mean, they did uh, finish Norris. as well, but we'll come uh, on to them after Lando Norris. I, 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 I'd just like to say about Sainzy, watching the Ferraris <laughs> getting overtaken down the Camel Strait where he was just shaking his head, he must have thought, oh, it seemed like such a good idea at the time when I signed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a swing get, get, get a nice company car. The best, in fairness. And Abarth. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, they're all right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and Lando Norris did a very Lando Norris race, and he lost a couple of places at the start, then was quite good in the middle, then made some at the end. So it's kind of a typical Lando race. I did like the interview I saw with Lando, where he was he actually echoed something I, I feel as well in my little sad world of, of sim racing. The interviewer asked him, what did you think when you heard that Carlos couldn't start? He went, one place up. And that's exactly what I think when someone has a disconnect because their internet's failed. Oh, one place further forward. Uh, so it's good to know from the bottom to the top of motorsport, it's the same feeling where someone else has some misfortune. And the next team is? Uh, the next team is well, the next Williams? N- no. Uh, there's what three the teams finisher? I want to do together before Williams. Uh, okay. okay, go on then. Uh, which are Haas, Alfa yes. Romeo and beleaguered yes. Ferrari. Is this because they've all got Ferrari engines? Yes, and they're all at the right. back so together. What did you call Ferrari last week? Beleaguered Ferrari. Oh, did you call them beleaguered Ferrari? Yeah. Team beleaguered. Um, Scuderia beleaguered Ferrari. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo because um, Alfa Romeo did what Alfa Romeo tend to do. Antonio Giovinazzi threw it into the boondocks and had a particularly bad weekend because 
uh, two of the three um, Ferrari juniors did really, really well at Spa, and the other one's been doing really well apart from that. So now there's three people who might replace him, Callum Eilert, Robert Schwartzman, or Mick Schumacher, all look significantly more likely to be able to do something useful than uh, Giovinazzi, who isn't particularly quick, and then throws it in walls. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen had a, a good... I don't know why Kimi Raikkonen's improved the last two races. I'm not sure someone mentioned a contract or something to him, but he's, uh, he's woken up a little bit and uh, managed to get the car into 12th place ahead of both the Ferraris. And we'll talk about why that was in a minute. Haas. Just a Haas race, wasn't it, really? Kevin Magnussen had a great opening uh, stint. He was up four or five places after the start, but the, the car's just got no pace. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 basically the car's lacking in power, and then you have to make a trade-off in... in Everything. Spa. Uh, do, Everything. You it, do you want it fast in the middle? Do you want it fast? It's actually why Spa, is, well, I believe, would be worse for the, these cars than, than the Monza, because Monza yeah. just trim it out and knock yourself out. And uh, his teammate. Uh, but, and Grosjean, again, the only thing about Roman, Roman is he was better than Kevin. And what's happened now is earlier on, you kind of go, right, I'm Gunter Steiner, uh, and I've got to you know, beep, 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 get rid of one of my drivers and replace him with somebody. And now you're kind of thinking, well, they're both are so inconsistent. I think I'll just replace both of them. So don't be at all surprised if Haas chuck both their drivers. Um, reasonable chance, I think, that Nikita Mazepan might turn up there with his dad's money. So much of his dad's money might end up being a significant part of Haas, actually. Uh, one of the reasons that Haas signed the Concord Agreement was to make sure they had some money. Uh, Phil Anson. Hello, Phil. Spa was a snowfest, agree. Even safety cars put everyone onto tyre preservation mode. Maybe it's time for no pit stops during safety car periods. Rotation said you could have given the cars missiles and speed boost power up, and still that Spa race would have been dire. Yes. Well, we've got Ferrari now, haven't we? They were the yes. talking point. I feel that the Ferrari. Sh- I, I'm actually enjoying this because. What's happened to Ferrari this year is is restoring my faith in sport, which has been severely tested over the past, I don't know, 30 years. Because finally, finally, we can use that popular British phrase, which we would like to think is true, but never normally is, cheats never prosper. Mm. Because they've ha- they are having an entire year of mere culpa having cheated last year because they cheated and they were... Cheating. Apparently, nobody in the F1 uh, press pack say, is allowed to, to say, say that because they because, the, because FIA and Formula One management say they couldn't actually prove it and they won't say what it was. We all know what it was. It was all to do with the fuel flow sensor, and they were very cleverly cheating, uh, but they were cheating. And they were cheating, and they. And the caught. thing is, do you know what it would? I actually think now it would be better for them to admit it and say we were cheating, we burst the car around the fact that we had 60, 70, 80, whatever it is, more horsepower, and we're absolutely cream-cracked now until we can get something else back either on the engine well, the problem or whatever. Well, the problem they've got is the, engines are all, the engine rigs are all frozen, so that they can uh, they can limited amount of redesigns required. Now, that is the reason why, shock horror, the Alfa Romeo went past up the straight the Ferrari because the Alfa Romeo it was always was never going to never I think had access to the total cheat mode well I was going to that, that was the question I'm pleased you've said that that was the question I asked in absentia I was working on Sunday so I had to watch Formula 1 after I'd finished uh, Pikes Peak the Mobile 1 Pikes Peak live coverage and I wanted to know that because I wanted to know how much the customer teams had been relying on the extra 60, 70, 80 horsepower 
um, and therefore had designed their cars to be able to have downforce no, to give I, away. I think that they were probably designed their cars with about 30 horsepower more. They thought they were going to have about 30 or 40 more than they actually end up with because this, right. this engine redesign because several things have been taken off it and they've, they've not really got it back in there, and there. But basically that was the reason why because mm, Ferrari now have, have got a huge amount of, of inefficient downforce, heavily dragged downforce because they had so much power. Ha um, Alfa Romeo didn't think they'd have that, so they, they, they've just got a power deficit, but actually they still m have more efficient downforce. So when you start stripping it off, they're okay. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I assume they're going to trim the thing right out next week for Ferrari. But basically, Fettel and, and Leclerc kind of trundled around, tried to take each other out slightly, got overtaken. In fairness to Charles, he did overtake a couple of people. Then he ran out of air in his engine because everything was going wrong. And oh, now that was interesting. Now that that was one of the more interesting things that we could have done with somebody who was technically minded mm. to tell us about because you are not allowed now in Formula One to top up any fluids, are you? But well, you're topping up air. Air's not fluid. No, no, but 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 you are not allowed to top up any fluids. So when the commentators kept talking about hydraulics. They were entirely wrong. It had to be pneumatics, yeah, it was surely. Pneumatics, yeah. yeah, it was pneumatics. Because well, well, you're not allowed to put oil in the engine. No. You're not allowed to put any fluid in, in no. or water or fuel no, or you anything. You couldn't put water in the cars because it's a sealed system. Well, I, I know that. But you're not allowed to put fluids in, are you? No. no. So it had to be air. It what about gases yeah, but of fluids? Well, air's a gas. Yes. But there's dry air and there's wet air, isn't there? Yeah, but I mean, it realistically, I think they could have nuclear air wouldn't do any good. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, hang on, somebody at Marinello's just <laughs> dashed <laughs> off with an idea. It's not in the rule book. We can do it. Yeah, but, but it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. We're gonna do Let's it, try yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, they are effectively having the longest ever comeuppance, and I do kind of think that this. It's quite interesting now because we noticed that what uh, Mattia was saying, Mattia Benito was saying, that um, what they need now is to take them a long time to get back, get, get back to, the, to, the, to where they were before, but they need lots of stability. So he's mm. effectively saying, "Hello, could I have my job, please?" Um, you know, because <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But yeah, I think I think Ferrari will be on the podium at Monza. No, they won't. Okay. Ferrari will, Ferrari will not be as far back because they won't have to make a compromise. They'll trim everything out. They'll get a lone downforce body on. They'll definitely beat the other Ferrari engines, probably the Williams as well. So they're looking at a couple of people fall out. They might get ninth and 10th. Dave Alcock says it should be mandatory that Nick has fueled on extra sugar for his review of <laughs> Formula One. It's brilliant and huge fun. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure that if Ferrari had two big bottles in their car mark NOS, mm. uh, the FIA wouldn't publicly criticise from them. They would address it as an air inlet enhancement that contravened regulations. I'm a sponsor yeah. by a Dutch broadcaster. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, RTL says Ferrari will be even more of a talking point in Monza. I don't know. I think that I think it's. I think that maybe. I think that Spa will be the Nedier. I'm not saying it's going to get better, but I think it'll get any worse. Right. After Ferrari, then? But so, well, before we move on from Ferrari, oh. Sebastian Vettel has got himself a new Formula One car, hasn't he? I know, and a winning car at that. Yes. And a, and a winning car that was winningest and won 10 of the 15 races it was in and was on pole for 15 and 16 of those races. Yes. It's an old car, is it? It is. It's one, one of his of, old cars. No, no, no. It's one of Nigel Mansell's uh, FW14Bs he's bought. Well, not presumably not FW. Yes, FW14Bs. Yes. He's bought a Williams. Yeah. He's bought a Williams. Apparently he's got a big collection somewhere. No one, no one knows anything about Sebastian 
Vettel a private life. He may have three children. He may be married. He may have bought some motorcycles in a car. Uh, he has got three children. He is married. Um, but he doesn't let everyone know what's going on, which is fair enough. But, um, yeah, so he's bought another... another is he actually the Stig, then? No, I don't know. Only if the Stig drives into other people and looks sad. But, you Moving know. on. Uh, it's one of six that were uh, raced at various points during yeah, that I, season by Nigel yeah, Mansell. Yeah, I have a... F- really? I don't think Mansell rode... Six, but I'm sure that Mansell portrays he drove six cars. And I, I kind of think... I can't imagine there was a lot of chassis swapping. Perhaps they've blurred the images to make the three the three portrays cars worth more. Is my guess. How many races were there that season? 16. So this is a car that... Hang on. So he drove six cars in the season, but this one won 15 races? No, the, 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 no. the Mark won 15. Won oh, sorry, races, sorry. Oh, I thought when, when Tim was saying that, no, no, he was saying the actual Nick car. That. Yeah, no, no, they, they, they mixed and matched. The sh- they did use had more chassis in those days, but I, I don't think he drove... I mean, uh, Karen Chanduk or, his, or uh, Jonathan Williams, please prove me wrong with your historic records, but I'm surprised he drove six different cars. Right, moving on. We don't know how much he paid for it either, but... Um, he paid some money. Several thousand pounds, apparently. Uh, well, last probably several million, what? because the last one that sold went for two and a half million, and that was two years ago. Mm. Is it a Renault, or is it just a... I mean, does it, does it what engine would that have had in it? The Renault V10. Just wondering whether that actually can be run. I mean, obviously, it's, it, it's got active suspension. I know one of the problems they did have is that is that they... This is genuine. One of the problems that Williams had was they actually broke all the, the Toshiba notebook from 1992 they were using... Uh, came to the end of its life and they couldn't find anything else to run the programs but they luckily did they managed to find um, i think they actually went i'm not sure they were, it wasn't the computer museum of the uk which bled, went to a different computer museum who sorted out emulators we, for them we've been talking to gary dodds at gfd computing uh, about refurbing old computers for that because there's a massive market in it. Ask mm. Gary Robertshaw, uh, as well as being a race engineer for United, also looks after some of Zach Brown, another one of the North East Mafia. Um, he looks after some of Zach Brown's collection um, and they all need old computers to run them because mm. you've got to run DOS and things DOS, like yeah, that. I mean, what they, what someone, what, what how Williams have got around they've actually had, had someone do or have found emulators so they've got emulators running on modern PCs now but then again you still have to have serial ports and things like that which don't come on modern PCs oh yes RS232 have yes. nicely sir uh, carry on Tim where am I going next uh, just going to say that if uh, um, Seb had raced that uh, car around Spa at the weekend he would have been further behind than the Ferrari which is hard to believe really I'm glad things have come on in 26 years. Uh, Declan Brennan said um, uh, the Williams was free, the laptop was three million. He's probably not wrong. And he also said last win uh, for Honda was Nicky Hayden in the wet in Malaysia when we were talking about Honda's winning. Ah, right, okay. Anyway. In the World Superbikes, obviously. And that was 10 Cartier. Mm. Nine out of 10 Cartiers do count down. <laughs> uh, let's move on, on to Williams, Nick. Uh, well, George Russell uh, made 
P2, Q2 again, and was trundling, not, not, not a great start again, dropped a couple of positions, was trundling along okay, beginning to get, but he got too close to Antonio Giovinazzi falling off the track, uh, Giovinazzi fell the track spectacularly, and then he viciously threw a rear wheel at George, and George couldn't avoid it, and it wiped his suspension off. A, a rear wheel and part of the suspension arms as well. Yes, it was a, it was a large chunk of stuff, mm. uh, which shouldn't fall off, but did, but you know, you very hit, lucky. You hit things at 140 miles now. You, there's only so much energy you can absorb. So, very, uh, very lucky. Uh, George, he was, he was, it, it was the halo that protected him. So, I, good, well done, excellent. I feel sorry for him because he was probably going to, given the fact how badly the other underpowered cars do, I think he would have been. I think it was his front right points. wheel that protected him because that's what it. That's hit. what it bounced off of. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't get anywhere near the halo, but he really does adore it. Moving on. Moving on. And uh, Nicholas Tiffy was um, not as good as George Russell, but did all right. But I do think that, I, I think, uh, yeah, Williams announced that prior to the buyout by Dorleman Capital yeah. that they were going to retain Latifi, um, obviously b based on the fact that Mr. Latifi, Nicholas's dad, is loaded. Um, you know, you kind of think with other options around, whether the new owners might want to start looking elsewhere, or perhaps they'll just keep things as they are for a year while they have a look at stuff, especially it's a strange year, and uh, and sack him at the end of next year. Because he's all right, but he's nothing special, is he? Next. Uh, let's move on to uh, Racing Point next. Um, yeah, disappoint disappointing. Racing Point, you've got last year's... Um, Mercedes really aren't doing with it what they should do. They, you know, they they should be you know, challenging fifth and sixth place. Really, they should be the third fastest car now. Ferrari given up, but they they really weird. When they were designing their own car, they were constantly overperforming, weren't they? They were the best bang for buck. Now they're trying to drive someone else's last year's car. They're just a bit kind of meh. Um, Lance Stroll ninth, Sergio Perez tenth, Perez on a alternate strategy, didn't come in with the safety car, ran long, uh, then made most of his places back up again. Lance trundled round, neither good nor bad. But you just feel that if that car was last year's Mercedes, it would still, yeah, it would still be coming fifth. So why aren't they coming fifth? Aftari. Um, uh, Pierre Gasly, again, was, was similar to Sergio Perez, had the reverse strategy, stayed out after during the um, first stage. He got mainly because he started on the hard tyres, so he needed to stay out. And dropped all the way back, back to the back of the, nearly the back of the field. Drove all the way past everyone, including Daniel Kvyat, his teammate. Kvyat ended up eleventh and and first loser really because he gets no points and had a quiet sort of event. Uh, Gasly again shining. Perhaps if he'd been on the all, the other way round, tyres they say he could have finished as high as fifth. But you know ifs and buts and everything else. He's still looking good and he's still making the point that the anniversary of his. Uh, demotion to Alpha Tauri, or as it was, of course, then to Rosso. Uh, he's looking very talented, and he's, and he's overtaking people. But you know, the 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 Red Bull Gasly B Albon thing doesn't seem to be seems to be only uh, energising the media and not bothering Red Bull at the moment, who are sticking very firmly with Alex Albon. Uh, Renault. Well, this was a good weekend for them, wasn't it? Mm. Wow, because and it's really, really interesting because last weekend when they had the big or two weekends ago in, in um, Barcelona, when they had the, when they had the big boss, they were blooming awful. He's not turned up now, and they've done really, really well. Um, apparently, the car is very good when you take downforce off it. So it's yeah. very, very good in low downforce, and then at high downforce, it's not very bad. And someone said, and the team can't understand it. Well, I think it's pretty obvious what it is. The downforce you've got is too draggy, so you have. Mm. So when you put, so therefore you need to work about designing your higher downforce better. They, I thought they worked the tyre strategy as well, if not better than anybody. Mm. And with one or two other teams had been watching... Yes, I'm looking at you, uh, Mercedes-Benz, for Valtteri Bottas. 
then you would have had a better race. Yeah. Um, and then Ricardo managed to get the fastest lap on the last lap, which was um, which really upset Lewis. Well, this is twice in two races he's been he's been denied a grand slam. And that was on. That was not. Because he pitted late uh, for tyres, either that was genuine pace. Now the thing that the car where came, was that pace earlier came on? to him. But I think I think it, it came. To, I think also they were tyre saving and then found they didn't need to. Yeah, agreed. Um, so agreed. yes, so they're, they're very pleased about this. And it's obviously good news is he got two low down four circuits to come. Obviously the lowest one of all Monza, and then Mugello is going to be very low down four. So uh, yeah, a, a very nice bounce back, which is good for Renault. So they chuffed about that. Next uh, and good for people who like tattoos as well. Uh, yes, Red Bull. Um, well, did what they. On the tin, Max Verstappen came third as as first person not driving a a real Mercedes and didn't really put a foot wrong. Just did what he did. Uh, Alex Albon wasn't as good as Alex uh, Max Albon's n- not been as as good as he should have been all season. I don't know why everybody raves about him. I really don't. Well, he doesn't I don't have the same car, does he? I don't think he does. He not have the same car? Yeah, he's no, the same car. It's just a... go on then. He doesn't have the How? same bits stuck on the side of it. No, he has different bits because he wanted them because that's where the car is. He doesn't. He can't drive the car the way Verstappen does. Ah, so they've really? changed the front end of the car to give it a different feel well, for, that was for him. him. That's why if you watched if you watched FP1, they were back to backing two different noses and a couple of side pods with the aero rakes. They're trying to help him out. They're not trying to hang him. Out. I think Alex Albon is is a very good driver. I think he's you know he, he came up with with Norris and he came up with um, Russell from that Formula Two pack two years ago. I don't think it helped him being only getting half a season with the comfort of Toro Rosso to learn. Some drivers need two years to learn before they're ready. He got half a season. He's been put in against the the equal most difficult person to drive against in the field in Max right. Verstappen. But actually, I would say he's the most difficult person to drive against because there is no even pretense of equality at Red Bull. There is a team built around Max Verstappen and the bloke in the other car. Uh, and that has been... It's Red poison Bull. chalice. It's Red Bull's, it's Red Bull's major I, downfall. I, once, I, once when Ricardo went, and Ricardo went because he was becoming Max's team, at that point, effectively, Red Bull abdicated any rights or desire to win the Constructors' Championship and became yeah. merely a vessel for Agreed. Max and Jos Verstappen's ambition. Correct. Um, and, and they reap what they sow, because if they, if they, actually, if they were competitive, then they find not having a second drive would be, a, would be very, very difficult, because they'd be stymied on, on strategy. They actually need to make a decision, which... But he's not helping them with strategy because he's he's at the bottom end of the top ten too many times. No, no, he's, Alex Albon is is no use to them as the number two driver. You know, if they had Danny Danny Rick in the car, yeah, I'm sure Max would be slightly quicker, slightly quicker. But Danny Rick would still be you know bothering Bottas and that sort of thing. But Albon isn't, and don't forget he's run a season now, and he has overtaken a lot of people normally with the second best car. And he has made up a lot of places, and he's not really qualified particularly well. And he was unlucky on one occasion. Um, well, uh, that, yeah, they say, oh, he should have had the podium twice. And he was taken out both times by Lewis. Well, I would argue that it was actually quite 50-50 in Brazil, but just was Lewis in a, was in a very much mere calper mood. And I still think Medi Nostra was stupid going around the outside and should never have been a penalty for Lewis. But, you know, I'm not a steward. Uh, but, you know, since then, he... He hasn't looked particularly impressive. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is not a go at him. He's a good driver, but he's in a very difficult situation. Um, and perhaps, you know, you need someone who's done five years, six years of F1 to understand how to be an efficient number two in a team that's been built around somebody else. You know, you have it, it, the, the, perhaps you don't want someone with the with the drive and the ambition of someone in their second season and having to prove something. You want to, yeah, you know, realistically, 
if Red Bull were interested in winning a Constructors World Championship, they should have phoned up Alonso. True. And fair, failing that, they actually, and this is, this is, they should take back Vettel, and they should think they should back themselves, be able to bring him back to his, you know, his golden years, because, you know, it's not going to happen. So they, they have to for 2022, they have to have somebody on their team who can take it to a two-man functioning Mercedes team for a, for a title tilt at the title. The only way they can do that is to get rid of Verstappen, though. No, that's a very silly idea. And finally, you want to talk about Mercedes. Yes, why didn't they, as they had a a new set of tyres left over, um, why didn't they box Valtteri and let him have a go? Because he was only six seconds ahead of... Yeah, but he would have caught him. Easy. He would have caught him easy. The the tie the advantage of new tyres. Well, you say they caught him easy. The issue they do that yes, it would take him five or six laps, and there's only forty four laps in the first place. Perhaps more than that, six or seven laps. And of course, it wasn't quite so easy because the, because the Mercs weren't really set for dragging people up the straight. They were they were set the cars were True. set for being, for being on their own. in the middle. Yeah. So yeah, they could have done. It's only one point. What's the point? It's a one point one point gain against a four point loss. So also they would have more chance of chasing down Lewis. And how would that help them? What would it help Valtteri just to do something different? How? How? And that? And that's how is that Mercedes' job? Okay. Mercedes' job is to do what they got there, a first and a second. Did the job perfectly. Mercedes' job is to deliver the world championships in both types, both constructors and, and drivers, and it looks like that's going to happen. And it may be made even easier when they can't. Nobody can use party modes at Monza. Well, no party mode is going to take it all the way. It's good, that's it. It's going to even it up. Mercedes are dead now. No party rubbish. mode. They've got more headroom on the cars. We'll talk more about uh, Monza in the second hour of tonight's programme. Shall we move on to and Lewis Wood? Uh, and Lewis was great. You know, I, I did quite. I was quite amused by someone who decided to focus on the fact that he slightly overshot the bus stop on one lap, and by slightly, I mean slightly. Well, but both he and Valtteri did the same thing because the front tyres were. And goosed. apparently, that is just incredibly shows that he, you know, he was just so lucky. To, I think. But he was half a second here, everybody, and he was... No. Yeah, five out of seven, now he's one. Five out of six, the last six. Moving on. Uh, you listen to the Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode 35. Tim, where would you like to take us next? Uh, I'd like to take you to Le Mans. Oh, OK. And uh, Nick Tandy has recently been announced as driving an LMP2 car for Algarve Pro Racing at uh, Le Mans 24 Hours, uh, which is less than a month away now. Uh, last week at Silverstone, it is. It's the month of June. Uh, <laughs> last week at Silverstone, John uh, Weddington had a chat with Nick and asked him if being a Porsche Works driver or being team principal of JTR was the more stressful occupation. Actually, they kind of relate to each other in the fact that we're going, no matter whether I'm driving or whether I'm bossing, as such, from the pit wall, we're in competition. Um, but the thing about the driving is, it's my, it's my bread and butter. It's my, it's my go-to. It's my, it's my safe place. You know, it's where I feel natural. So yeah, I, I, I honestly find when I'm in a race car myself, it's a lot more natural and a lot more controlled than if I'm watching somebody else driving one of my cars because then I'm worried. But behind the wheel, you are in charge. I suppose you're in charge as well on the pit wall, but just not quite as directly but it's the same it's also the same when you're 
um, you're in a race, but your teammate's driving, for instance. Say, say you finish Le Mans and there's, you've done your final stint, but there's still four, four hours of the race to go. But it's your teammate's turn to, to, to kind of their, their next stint. And the race situation is out of your control completely, but you're still watching your car in the race. And it is very similar to, um, to when we're, we're running the team and I've got the, um, you know, there's, there's, there's our drivers out on the grid. You go and see them on the grid and then for the next half an hour, there's no contacts, it's up to them. And, uh, you know, you just keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. In your pro career, inextricably linked now with Porsche, how long have you been driving for Porsche now? I've exclusively driven Porsche since the beginning of 2010, so that's 10 years now, and uh, I've been a yeah, part of Porsche Motorsport since 2013. You didn't come to circuit racing in a traditional, in inverted commas, way, because you started out here in the UK, not too far away from where we're standing at Silverstone, on ovals, on paved and dirt ovals. Circle track racer. Yeah. Circle track racer. That's me. No, I mean, as you know, John, there's, there's a big um, short oval stock car scene in the UK. Um, pretty much like what uh, like there is in, in the US, let's say, and also places like New Zealand. It's grassroots racing, but there's, there, I mean, there, there was a lot more tracks open 20 years ago when I started than, than there is now, unfortunately. But there's still tracks all over the country. Um, and there's, there's various different formula you can go and race in. And there's a junior formula, which is what I started in, 11 years old, driving around full-size cars, a Mini, an old Austin Mini, this type of car. So front-wheel drive? Front-wheel drive, one-litre engine, 1,000cc. And, uh, yeah, but you could go and race a full-size ca- full car from 11 years old, and that's, that's exactly what we did. Most people come up through karting. When you transitioned across to circuit racing... Was that a big jump from just turning left to having to turn left and right? Driving on a circuit is very different from driving on an oval. It is very different. But honestly, I think I, think I had an advantage, actually. against If you look at, a, say, a 17-year-old that's come out of karting and goes and drives in a you know, full-size car on the circuits, I'd already done five years driving a full-size car before I got to racing on the circuits. So, yes, although, you know... Um, the technique of driving is different how you drive around an oval compared to how you drive on a circuit actually driving a car and being at the limit of uh, you know of driving a car that weighs the weight of a car not a single seater or a, or a go-kart uh, I think it was a good advantage for me and I mean even I was involved in the the LMP1 the 919 program it makes you realize just how much work goes into every aspect of of putting a racing car together putting a racing program together um, but especially going endurance racing. That 919, you also took that out in its what was called the Evo spec. You could make a direct comparison from when it was homologated, when it was within the rule set, to race at Le Mans and in the World Endurance Championship. Much difference? <sighs> yes. <laughs> the main difference was you were released from the regulation of energy and aerodynamics so for example where where i was sitting the car was still the same you know where you where you look out kind of a lot of the bodywork looked very similar the engine architecture was the same the hybrid system architecture was the same um but what what we were able to do and i think this is one of the reasons that porsche went ahead and did it was the fact that the car the potential was already there kind of thing it was just 
when you're released by the regulation to start unlocking this potential, um, it was really just a case of making an, uh, making an aero kit as, as good as could be to fit on the chassis that's, that already already been produced, um, upgrading the suspension parts to deal with the extra load because of course the, with the extra aero load and the, the super soft tyres that we use, they used to do all the lap record runs, um, the load on the chassis and the, the suspension components was higher. But then we, we're, we're capped at Le Mans by fuel energy and hybrid energy um, per lap. So when you start to release that and you put all the, turn all the turbo boost right up and dump all the fuel in the engine, but especially release all the, the, the big punch that you can get from the hybrid system, I mean, the thing was, I thought that the, the hybrid in race spec, the 919, was quick, and it was, you know. But, but going out, like you say, driving around Brands Hatch, and it was the Indy Circuit Brands Hatch, which is what, 1.9 miles long? I mean, turning the thing up at full wick down, down, yeah, down the straights was, uh, it was something else. It was, it was, it was awe inspiring, and probably something that, that people won't get to do for a long time in the future. I do remember you having a very big smile on your face when you got out, out of all of the runs. Rest of the IMSA season is a bit fluid. Things are changing all the time. Assess the season so far for, for you and your Porsche teammates. I'd say A for effort and C for result. Um, yeah, I mean, as you know, John, we've had, what have we had? Five races now. Um, so we're still not halfway through the season, but we're already at a big points disadvantage to one of our competitors in the number three car and you know I, I what I am happy about is how we've gone racing you know how we've performed on track how the team's been how the car has been um, we've just missed we've missed execution a couple of times and we've also had really poor luck which comes with motorsport you know it comes you get good luck favorable times and you get bad luck everybody knows this but it just so happens that when we've been having a really good chance of a, a win, um, and I feel like we gave away surefire wins at Sebring and VIR, things have gone against our way. You know, pure pure luck things where um, you know it, it's a one one in a million type um, chance happening, and we've we've lost big points because of this. So. You know, you can look at it and say that we've been unlucky, but everybody has this. And what I can say is that we can be happy with how we've started. We just need to, yeah, get these results that, that have gone along with our our effort and our preparation. So disappointed. GTR. So as the GT3 at 997 starts up uh, behind us, so we get a nice little flat six burble there. There's nothing better than that. That that makes me very happy, indeed. It's been good. Um, unfortunately, we lost half of our team due to um, COVID-19 related factors, um, which are completely understandable. Um, but we've still got two two cars. We've still got two two good, hungry young drivers, Sam and Lorcan. Um, they're both fighting at the sharp end. They're both rookies. Um, to, to Porsche Racing and, and Lorcan is even, he's 17 years old so he's in his first season of, of um, yeah, let's say full spec racing coming out of junior stuff um, but he's been on the podium twice already Sam has come back from a, a long layoff of racing whilst he's been doing his studies and, and getting, getting his you know, work life sorted 
and the good thing is that everyone's happy to be there. Everyone's happy to go racing. The drivers are good, are happy to go racing. The boys are happy to go out there and take the cars and work on them. And uh, yeah, we get to, we don't get to watch it at the track, but we get to watch it on TV, so it's good. Le Mans will run without spectators at the end of September. Now that's a shame for the spectators, and it robs some of the atmosphere from the event. But great events like that, challenging events like that. It doesn't change the achievement of getting a good result there, does it, And from a driver's point of view? Well, absolutely not. It doesn't. At the end of the day, we, you feel the difference in the weekends, and we've had it in IMSA. We've done these weekends without the fans being there, and the atmosphere is so, it is so different. The race weekends are so different, and it feels kind of alien. It's an environment that you're not used to. Um, but at the end of the day, once you get to the... You get to take the car to the track and the, the, the crew goes to the start line or the driver is out in the car on track, the focus is the same. You know, everybody's, the competition is still the same. So although, I mean, we're very lucky in this day and age that we've got such media coverage, um, you know, so we can watch all these, these sports, not, not just motorsport, but all the sports that have been put back on, um, you know, that we can, we, can, we can follow over TV and, and other media. Um, it's, it's sad that we all miss this experience because, I mean, I see it when I go to watch a cricket match or a, a football match, whatever. It's, it's Part of it is the experience and the atmosphere of being there, not just watching the sport. So, yeah, for sure we miss this, but uh, at the end of the day, sport is still on, the competition is still the same, and uh, the winner is still the winner. Nick Tandy talking to John uh, last week. Shay Adam joins us now. Good evening, Shay. Hello, Tim. And is, is that a meow I heard as well? That was a child. That was a child, yes. A ah. child swimming. Not mine, thankfully. <laughs> uh, Nick Tandy. Is going back to Lamar with Ollie Jarvis and Ryan Cullen in an LMP2 car. Um, I tweeted the other day, I think I have a new favorite LMP2 car. You're putting two former winners together in a car in the forms of Ollie and Nick. That's going to be super fun to watch that car. And it's run by uh, Algar Pro Racing as well. So uh, Stuart and Sam Cox know how to, to run a car as well. That's three pretty good drivers there. Very good drivers there. For sure. And there's some sort of association with G-Drive. Is that correct? For yes. For the car as well? Um, but I think that the car that Tandy, Jarvis and Colin are running are running on Michelin's, if I read the press release correctly, whereas the team car is running on Goodyear. Yeah, and that uh, Goodyear, um, Algar Pro been doing some Goodyear testing for them, but I presume both Ollie and uh, Nick have uh, got Michelin contracts from what they yeah, do that, in other in other series. That would make sense. Yeah, Tim. Uh, a couple of other uh, little Le Mans stories, and uh, by Collis Racing have announced their livery for this year's Twenty Four Hours of Le Mans. There was a very cruel um, tweet saying that looked really nice in the garage. Ooh. <laughs> Possibly. Or on fire. It, it's got orange specks in it already, so it would, uh, right. would be enhanced by fire. Uh, That's harsh. But if, if the, the German ban on people going to France continues and Toyota can't go, there'd be a, a shot for overall victory. <laughs> for the first hour, yeah. Okay. Where are you? Are cars uh, garaged? Are they not? Three, I think. 
Austria, I think. They're in Austria, are they? Okay. I yes. think so. I think so. Uh, and the oh, final Le Mans story is this. Shea will never get this in a million years. No. Nick should get this. I'm punky, but I'm not sure. Heaven must be missing an angel. Okay. Uh, it was Saturday night on the Saturday Night Favour album. Was it? But it was. the name of the band is The Clue here. It's got a long intro, so I can keep talking because I've spent I many years talking over yeah. this one. Yes, but why are we playing it? What's the name of the band? It's Tavares. So, there you go. Shortly before the race is due to start, Mr Tavares will be handed the French national flag in a spectacular ceremony before lowering it to signal the beginning of the 24 hours of intense competition. Is the spectacular ceremony someone just disinfecting the flag before they hand it to him? <laughs> it's normally the army helicopter that delivers it. I think the army helicopter is going to come down, like literally just spraying sort of, you know, Purell everywhere. <laughs> That'd be kind of nice. Kind <laughs> of nice. Mm. Okay. Uh, when was quote? the last. Yes, go on. Ever since I was a small boy. I'm honoured to be the start of the 2020-24 Hours of Le Mans. As you know, I'm passionate about motorsports, I'm passionate about automotive fields, and I'm passionate about technology, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans combines all three. Peugeot will soon be racing again, and as a starter of this mm-hmm. edition, I would like to draw attention to the fact that Peugeot will be back in endurance in 2022, and that the whole company is behind the project. Peugeot won three times with two different technologies, now we're aiming for victory with hybrid technology. I'd like to thank the ACO for giving me this privilege. Also, I'd like to thank warmly all the teams that are going to compete, and everyone who contributes to the organisation of this event especially in these challenging times ah, see I was going to say didn't say they were going to compete in endurance but the rest he of the did. court made yeah. it clear they're coming back in 2022 just in time to win 2023 the 100th anniversary because they obviously have to win that mm. being French oh. maybe we'll have mm-hmm. a return for Chevrolet uh, I think I think that's probably outside of everybody's uh, control. That will be down to other people. Yeah. Uh, shall we let Shea go for a little while and get her back in the next hour? Uh, yeah, bring Shea back in about uh, half an hour. Okay. Uh, and it's just gone nine o'clock, which means it's time for this. Don't mind her. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. I'm not sure I've heard that one before. Uh, a little bit after nine o'clock. Still to come. Nick Dim will be looking forward uh, to Formula One at Monza, the Cathedral of Speed. We'll have a bit more Formula One news from him. We will be talking with Shea about some US news. A couple of IndyCar races at the weekend and we look forward to Road America Atlanta. It's bad enough I get them mixed up in the first place, but to have the Road America... No, see, I got that wrong. It's Watkins Glen. It's going to be at Road Atlanta in the week. I'm confused. But we've got coverage on RS2. More of your tweets, please, on at Specutainment. Keep those coming as well. But next, it's our big interview and another piece of information. Let's call it a sort of announcement for Haggerty. Radio Le Mans for 2020. Keeping that Le Mans vibe going. Midweek Motorsport on RS1.
Delighted to welcome to Midweek Motorsport, Sean Gibbons, who joins us from the States. Uh, Sean, uh, you did tell me when we were setting this up your title, but frankly, um, I've forgotten it already. And you must have a business card that's about three feet long at Sirius XM for this. What is your title? Yeah, John, thanks for having me. My, my title is Senior Vice President of Engineering and Product for the Automotive Sectors for Sirius XM. That, that is, um, that's a lot of ground to cover, sir. How long have you been doing that, Sean? Uh, this is my 20th year. I was one of the, the first employees. I was the 80th employee at the company. So um, been been very fortunate to, to play a small role in, in the company and see it build from an idea to the business that it is today. And I presume then you've seen Sirius XM grow from that germ of an idea to the to the massive broadcasting giant that it is now. I mean, things have things changed? Has the has the corporate character and the atmosphere changed, or is it still true? Do you think to its roots? It's still true to its roots, but it's changed massively in a, in a bunch of ways. You know, when I when I started, we didn't even have a satellite up, so there wasn't a business. It was purely an idea, and it was about raising money. It transitioned into you know, a business and building a brand and, and building awareness where the company got pretty heavily involved in motorsports as part of the platform to build that brand awareness. Um, and then it transitioned into a real business, um, a very successful business when Sirius and XM merged. And um, But the corporate culture, the people that make it up, you know, before I worked at Sirius, um, I, everywhere else I worked, I, I stayed three or four years and I tend to get bored or, or be looking for something else to do. Um, our, our company is amazing in the breadth and depth of what we do from dealing with spacecrafts to musicians to car companies, um, you name it, we were involved in it. And that part of it for us is what's kept it interesting for me. I, I love the thought of the, I love the idea of you accepting a job with a satellite radio company that didn't have any satellites. I'd, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in yeah. that in that meeting. And fair play to you for seeing for, for seeing the opportunity there, Sean. We're very fortunate uh, here at Radio Shore Limited. We've had a uh, a great relationship and partnership with uh, Sirius XM for many years not just with IMSA radio with the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship every single race on Sirius XM but also of course going back to our very first year when we did Radio Le Mans in 2006 uh, and part of the reason that you're coming on tonight with just a few we're in September we're in Le Mans month which is a bit scary uh, in, in many reasons here because it's September and a, and B because it's uh, uh, it's, it is Le Mans month. Uh, delighted to see you guys are going to be on board with us again for what is going to be a very different Le Mans in in 2020. Welcome back. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, John, I've been a huge fan of, of yours and the show, and um, I'm so happy to have you guys on the air. I, you know, I, I started my journey in motorsports as a fan, right, going going to Lime Rock and camping out when I was younger just to get in to watch the races and you know, to be able to listen to you on Sirius XM for me is, you know, just an amazing benefit of my job. I always say thank you for loaning us your airwaves uh, when we do any of our jobs. Where are we going to be this year for, for Le Mans? Remember, it's the middle week of September for those of you who are listening around the world at the moment. And for those of you in the States, we understand sometimes you can't be sitting down 
um, listening in your computer. Possibly you don't get the stream it depending on where you are. Um, but through Sirius XM, you won't miss a moment, and it'll be crystal clear as well, of course. So where where are we going to be found in uh, in that middle week end of September, Sean? Yeah, so for, for those folks that have a, a serious radio, though their radio's got a little serious logo on it, they'll be on channel 138. For anybody that's on a radio that's got an XM logo or a Sirius XM logo, it'll be channel 202. And you know, one of the things we added about a year and a half ago, John, is all almost all of our subscribers now get Sirius XM streaming for free. So you can listen on the streaming app or the Alexa or Google Home device or Apple TV any of those on channel 972 and that and that as ever is going to be the full broadcast on race day we'll give you all the details of that when the guys from uh, Sirius XM are going to join us uh, but that will be right through there's no interruptions you get exactly what we broadcast and that gets pumped out on those channels and that's great so thank you very much indeed again for for being involved with that however i cannot let you come on to midweek motorsport sean as lovely as that announcement is without talking about your motorsport ambitions because they involve le mans and you're all you've already started your if you will your your long and winding road to Le Mans because you're doing rather well in Porsche racing this year. Come on, sir, tell me about this. Well, you know, I, I've always been a fan of sports car racing and, and just love the, the sport of it, the technology involved, the people in it. Um, and I started racing on an amateur level back in 2012. And the last few years, I've been super fortunate enough to be racing in the SRO World Challenge Series here in the States. And and this year, in a Porsche Cayman Club Sport MR in the GT4 America Sprint X Championship with my co-driver Zach Anderson, and um, we've had, you know, a surreal year. We we started at Coda in March before the pandemic. We we swept both races, um, winning both of them in a in a really strong field. And our teammate car in the Pro Am division also won both of their races. Um, and we've gone on a little bit of a, a super lucky tear where in 11 races, I think we've won uh, eight of them and been on the podium every single weekend. Um, so if we, we go to Coda in two weeks um, as a replacement for Watkins Glen. And if we finish fourth or better in the first race, we secure the championship. But that's not the only thing that is out there for you this year because our listeners probably know we've talked about this before here on Midweek Motorsport there is such a thing called the Porsche Cup now there's Porsche Cups all over the world uh, Porsche Carrera Cups uh, Porsche Super Cup but this is open to all non-works Porsche drivers wherever they are in the world and there is it's a bit like ski jumping or ice skating there's a coefficient of difficulty uh, I was going to say difficulty in danger, but I'll let you answer that. But there's a coefficient for how many points you score in your own championship around the world. And every Porsche driver, whether they're competing in the British GT Championship, Alan Brynjolfsson, uh, if memory serves, won it last year out of the Michelin Pilot Cup. And at the moment, you're chasing that pretty in pretty heavy company because Ben Barker and Jerome Bleakamolen are the two people that effectively 
you're competing against there. That's heady company, Sean. It, it is. And, and, you know, John, when somebody pointed out to me where we were in the standings and, and who was in front of us and, you know, who's all around us, um, you know, it's, it's unbelievable to me because there are people I've looked at, you know, in racing as, as heroes and still do. Um, so to have the opportunity there and, and to be as fortunate as we are with, with our performance this year, um, to be included in that list is just amazing, incredible to me. Uh, first of all, getting to go at the Porsche Night of Champions, which is something I've never managed to do, um, that w- I'd be very envious about that. There's a bit of money up for grabs. Tenth place is €6,000, up to um, €30,000 for second place. And the first place, you get a perpetual Porsche Cup trophy and a Porsche vehicle, and I'm reading the regulations here, that is defined by Porsche. So it could be a nice old 1971 914, 914 that they've just found lying around the back, or it might be something else. And I'm not sure if you get the choice of that. It says they get the choice of that. I mean, the prize in some respects is not as much as just winning the title, is it? No, I mean, you know, the just winning the title, even just being on that list. And as you said, being able to go to the night of champions is one of those, you know, experiences that there's a very small list of people in history that have gotten to do it. Um, and it's a, an incredible feat. Um, if, if you get the chance and so I, I hope, you know, we stay up near the top of that list and get a chance to do that. There's some amazing people that are competing in Porsches this year. Um, and every year, um, and I hope that the pandemic doesn't, you know, have any ill effect on uh, on the night of champions. You're getting a bit of support from one of our old mates, CJ Wilson at Porsche Fresno. Fabulous dealership that he has there. I've been fortunate enough to to drive through there when we did our coast to coast last year in the in the uh, the Panamera Sport Turismo SE Turbo Hybrid. And so I know um, not only. CJ from many years ago from his exploits, but also the dealership itself. And, and I mentioned aspirations for Le Mans. GT Am is is something that we'd all love to do, Sean, if we had the opportunity. Uh, and that's that's where you would like to be. In have you set yourself a have you set yourself a timetable for that, or is it you know do you have to sort of work with that as 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 you feel your your driving experience improves? Yeah, I mean, look, I think all of us that are driven people set a timetable and a, a set of goals <laughs> to go after, right? Of course um, you do. But, but you also have to be able to develop at the pace. I mean, you know, when you talk about racing at Le Mans, you're talking about the best in the world, um, you know, for 24 hours. Um, and so I still have development to do to be ready for, for that level of competition for that duration. Um, but it's absolutely a goal that I want to achieve in, in the next, you know, five or six years kind of time frame. Um, and you know, really this is only my, my third season and, and it's not three full seasons in pro racing. Um, you know, last year we did the, the East coast amateur championship in SRO. So it was five races the the year before we did three and, and the year before one. So um, I've got a lot still to go to get to the level of some of those folks that you mentioned and certainly the folks that will be driving at Lamont. But it is absolutely somewhere 
uh, I want to go. And, you know, you mentioned CJ, I know it's one of his goals. Yeah. And, um, you know, without, without his support, we wouldn't even have been able to run road America last weekend and, and stay in this championship. So I have to thank, you know, Portia Fresno and, and CJ Wilson for coming on board. Um, and keeping us going. I, I saw a bit of that. I know I was quite busy, but I did see a, a bit of that. And you were you were very very unlucky um, on race two. That would have been three in a row for you. Was that half a second? You were third. I think you were nearly forty seconds down at one at one stage at the driver change. I think one more lap you would have won that second race, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, John, it's one of those things. We, we it's on us. We we didn't man, we didn't do our driver change well enough, oh. and we lost a bunch of time there. Um, and and then you know, on my laps, there's plenty of places I could have pulled another half a second that I should have <laughs> pulled that would have got us there, right? So, I love the way. Listen, you're talking like a proper race driver there, Sean. You know, you know exactly <laughs> where every every millisecond of that half a second was it 0.513 i've just looked it up now Put 513 of a second you know where every millisecond you could have made up of that don't you <laughs> i even just on that last lap i know that you know in in turn five and turn 14 is had i just nailed those we would have gone by on that straightaway but i didn't and that's part of racing right yeah well and and that's why there's seldom anybody that can say, say that I've had a perfect race or a perfect lap, or particularly at four miles around Abermud, America. Uh, listen, we wish you all the best with that, and please keep us informed about what you're doing, Sean, because we'd love to see you at Le Mans in times when we can come and see you at Le Mans as well, of course. Uh, it's going to be a bit different this year, and, and thanks to Sirius XM for supporting us again this year with the loan of, of the airwaves, as I said, for, for those spectators who can't who can't get there i suspect like any other broadcaster at sirius xm at the moment i mean there's so much shown to fit in you haven't just i mean motorsports is is what you look after but there's so many uh, sports series trying to fit in a full season in you know four four and a half months i i can only imagine that your scheduling department at the moment has gone through a few wall planners yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's just absolutely made what was already a very complex <laughs> process even more complex because everybody squeezed their schedules in the same window of the year. Um, and there's only so many channels and so much bandwidth for us. So the, the folks are working really hard to get all of this amazing content out to everybody. Um, I couldn't be prouder of the entire company as to how you know, we've stayed operating, haven't missed a beat no, in good for supplying that content. So, uh, and, and the the partnerships with OEMs, with with manufacturers, has really been uh, massively uh, helping out over the last. I was going to say over the last five or ten years, but I mean it, it's it's increased even in the last five years. Every time I get. Uh, a higher car in the States now, or I jump in, uh, we, we do silver car quite a lot, so they're all Audis, they've all got XM, all the GM products have got uh, XM uh, or Sirius uh, in them uh, as well. How much has that helped people to think of quote-unquote satellite radio? People don't think of it as satellite radio anymore, Sean. It's just radio now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an amazing thing. When I started, a bunch of my friends would tell me, hey, you're crazy. You think you're going to get people to pay for radio. Um, and and now there's, you know, over 35 million people in the U.S. doing that. 
and they love they love the product. It's just you know simple. The content's good. It just works. Um, and being able to work with people like you when you're a fan of sports car racing um, and you want to hear Lama, but you're out on the road, mm. it's the only way it could be accomplished in in the U.S. Well, and, and f- from my point of view, to be able to hear the, the BBC World Service when I'm in the States working on IMSA, or if it's Wimbledon fortnight and, you, and you've got the, the, the Wimbledon direct feed from the, the, from the uh, Lawn Tennis uh, Association there, or whether it's English soccer, I, I mean, it, it's fantastic because what it does for me is it allows me to you know feel a bit like I'm at home and, and keep in touch with what's going on, particularly if I'm only out, you know, for a four or five day turnaround. Sometimes I don't even get on US time properly. So <laughs> having having that whilst I'm driving is absolutely mega. Sean, listen, we wish you all the best. Good luck in winning. Obviously, first of all, the, the, the championship that you're running in is going to be your your first priority and good luck with that in the nearer future. But keep winning, won't you? Because it would be great to talk to you if you were going to go at that Porsche Knight of Champions and and pick up the keys to a new Porsche. I hope so, and I'll definitely be looking forward to talking to you either way, John. All right, and, and if if I can put a little word in for you at Porsche, what Porsche would you actually like to have um, in terms of your winning, your prize winning? Because I know Frank Stefan Valliser, the the nine who's now gone from motorsport to to be nine eleven brand manager quite well. What what, what do you what would you find? new take on maybe a nice new electric Porsche, or do you want something with an internal combustion engine? And is it going to be for you, or have you got somebody else pulling the strings that says you've got to have an SUV rather than a sports car? Um, no, I think we've already got an SUV, so I, I think I'd have to go with. Uh, a GT3 RS when the new 9921 is available. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some spy pictures of that, and uh, that is very very impressive, indeed. Sean, thank you for joining us. Reminder: it's Sirius 138 XM202 uh, for Haggerty Radio Le Mans over the Le Mans weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Sean, we'll keep an eye on what's going on, and please come back and talk to us again soon, won't you? I will, John. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. You just said what I was going to say there, John, and uh, remind everyone that it is uh, Channel 138 on Sirius and 202 on XM to listen to Haggerty Radio Le Mans uh, over the race weekend in North America. Uh, tomorrow night here on RS1. Though, RS1 everywhere else, obviously. Of yes. course. And tomorrow night on RS1 at 8pm, it's a tour radio show. And uh, what's on Toro Radio Show this week? Whose turn is it? Is it the Brits or the Americans? Both. Uh, oh! We have Jordan, we have Ben, and we have Matt. Oh, uh, okay. In another of these transatlantic... Uh, Trophy meetings. Yes, not, not a transatlantic <laughs> trophy meeting. They would not get on very well with that. Okay. Um, uh, they're going to be talking about all the new updates that are coming to iRacing in September, including the Corvette C8R. We were just talking about that earlier on, Nick, oh, weren't we? Yes. Available next week, boys. Yeah, but the P2 is a big one. Um, and they are going to be talking about the latest updates from uh, ACC, R Factor 2 and F1 2020. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. It's been a while since we've had that jingle. This actually isn't going to be a pointless press release as well. Oh, so I what thought is it? we were going to have a pointless press release when it dropped into my inbox and I saw All right. 
Lamborghini Squadra Corsa unveils new young drivers. Because do you remember last year when they unveiled their young drivers? We did have it as a points press release of the week. I have a mental picture of them unveiling drivers standing on plinths like some kind of Michelangelo sculpture and somebody pulling a dust sheet from them. Hopefully they're wearing clothes then. Okay, fair point, well made. And have arms and things. Yes. Yeah, yeah they have drivers. all their limbs. Yeah. Um, Moving on. But I was disappointed because there's nothing really to laugh about in this. There were, none of them are over 30, which uh, they, they did have some young drivers over the age of 30 last year. Um, they're all relatively young. Right. Who are they? Uh, Nick's gone really quiet to me. No, it's just the way he's talking. He's not that interested. I think uh, that's what you'll find. Rally, I'm fine. But who uh, are they, who, says Nick. Yes, well, who are they? Uh, who are they? In alphabetical order, that was louder. Stephen yes. Agacani. Right. right, okay. Uh, Sebast- he's from the US he is. series. Sebastian Balthazar. Yeah. Uh, Dorian Boccalaccia. I've heard of him. Johnny Chicotto. Junior. Junior, junior, junior. Oh, three juniors. I don't Grandson. know. Grandson. No, he, he's a 21-year-old who used to be doing... GP3. Uh, Jakob Eidson. Never heard of him. He's another American one. Who? Jacob Eidson. Jake Edson. Edson. Jake Edson. Yes. Fine. Damiano <laughs> Fioravanti. See, there's a name That's I can right. pronounce. Yes, it's not direct Edson. Uh, Raul Guzman. Mm-hmm. Patrick Liddy. Stuart Middleton. Elias Niskanen. There's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Marcus Pufford. Uh, Guillaume Peugeot, spelled P-U-J-E-U. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Russell, Vincent Schwartz, Yuri Wagner. There are a lot of them. And Max Wearing. Do I take it they're going to have some kind of? Um, I was going to say shootout there, but race I did obviously off. didn't mean with race pistols off. at dawn. Some kind of race off. Or are they all well, these, just these are all the ones that are supported by Lamborghini in the like relative in their respective uh, Lamborghini championships? Right. Do they have a sticker course, on the car or something? Yes. I'm sure they get a sticker. And then the most promising driver uh, gets two stickers. Gets promoted to the GT3 Junior program next year, which invol- which gives them a factory drive in a regional GT championship. Which um, which was Rickin? Rick Broyke was a part of the Lamborghini program for a while, wasn't he? Was he was he a young driver or a GT3 driver? Uh, this year he's neither, so I don't I know, see him on either list. He got strangely dropped. Um, but yes, he was one. I th- I I think he was a works driver for a while for them. I think he was a I works driver. Mm, okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's go back to Formula One because we're off to Monza Hooray! this week next. Yeah. Yes, we are. Just this week, next. Just a few short days. Yes. Just, just the day after tomorrow, they'll be rocking up in Monza. and Well, tomorrow they'll be doing that interminably dull interview session. Do you know what? I, I, it They've re- got to stop doing it. It recorded it for me on Sky you know, Plus thing. You don't uh, have to watch it. it. No, I didn't. I looked at it. One hour, 19 minutes. An hour and 19 minutes. And, of course, the thing is they can't have them all together now. No, it's, it's 10 sets of two. And they're not live. They're not live, and and also apparently... I mean, they were live when they were recording them. Apparently, there's no concept of editing either. No. An hour and 90... I don't want to... Who was... And they're right minds. You've got to listen to an hour and 90 minutes of people saying nothing. About anything. Yeah. Moving on. 
Uh, Monza, yes. yes. Uh, Friday, hurrah. Uh, qualif- who, who are we uh, going to see in action on Friday? Uh, Roy Nissany. We are. Who wasn't rubbish at Spa. Well, he was very good at Spa, actually. Was, he's actually, in fairness to Roy, who we, I think we were a little bit kind of... Well, obviously he's a pay driver, but we had him in the level of, oh my God, pay drivers. We he's had him in the right. level of his father, didn't we? Yes, exactly. Actually, perfectly put, Tim. He's actually okay. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not a super talent. But he's certainly, you know, no, no disgrace to anything. Um, yeah. So, Roy, is it anyone else? Is just Roy is, is subbing in. I believe he's the only one. It's his second time this season that yeah, he's done a Friday yeah. session, yep. and his dad was something like thirty-eighth quickest when he did his only his Formula was One. Very, run. very mature, and also the first ever Israeli, I believe, to be in the competitive session or competitive test. But I think his dad, Roy Senior, uh, knew all that, but was just a massive fan. So, you know, massive fan of cash, fair enough. Uh, where were we going to see 100,000 fans, Nick? Well, that's a very good point, actually, because apparently at the Turkish Grand Prix, because they're only going to charge them three quid for entry. Um, I'm not quite sure he'd get 100,000 fans into a bubble, but it's obviously a very big bubble. Um is it Big Bubbles No Trouble? That was uh, uh, Nick Beggs' band after they've catch a goo-goo. Ellis, Alex Beggs and something it was called. Even you didn't know that one, did you? That's at, uh, out trivia, Mr. DJ. <laughs> Alex not Beggs and Howard. Alex Beggs and Howard. Uh, not a song that I think I would have been playing in a club. No, I think he got in the top ten. Anyway, but, uh, very pointless. Uh, yes, they're going to sell 100,000 tickets they want to for the Turkish Grand Prix at £3 a throw. The they shouldn't emission. be letting anybody in. They want to sell 60,000 for um, Portimao. To trees. 35,000 in Sochi. And how many in Mugello? Three lots of 1,000, I think. They, they 2,800 s- and something, wasn't it? Every Ferrari... Uh, supporter who wants to go will be given a k- ticket free and there'll be 2,800 of them. <laughs> and apparently there's 250 doctors and nurses and health oh, well workers that's good. going this weekend to Monza. Because don't forget that was the centre of the really worst part of the outbreak in March. Did Did you see that on Monday afternoon the official Ferrari Formula One account on mm. Twitter mm. tweeted we're racing at Monza! Exclamation mark. It took me Everything, not to say, nice to say you've got a good start, but I still don't think you'll finish in the top ten. Mm. The, the, in fairness to the, the, the official Scuderia Ferrari uh, Twitter uh, feed, they have basically decided to ignore what's going on. So they still produce the the every the updates. So last year you say, you know, Seb won, Charles third. Now they're, they're still to the same picture. Belgian Grand Prix, you know, Seb 13th, Charles 14th. Yeah, okay. It's still with the same kind of razzmatazz, so they've not they've not bowed down to that. Yes, yeah, so the Italian Grand Prix, um, more of the same. It's going to be interesting um, just seeing what the lack of engine modes does is anything. So we've had the phony war. It's going to affect them more than us. We're not really bothered. It's going to make us faster in the race. Uh, we'll get to find out what it actually means. Um, though, to be honest, we'll probably find out a bit more at a more normal circuit. This is the Temple of Speed. Tim's gone. Hello, Tim. Let me open my microphone and say that again. That would be good. Oh, could right, we, okay, could we help. be seeing two Germans at Alfa Romeo next year, Nick? Yes, we could because apparently, uh, yeah, well, they, 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 the hot, the hot topic, the hot potato, the hot 
target is Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg, from being completely shunned uh, only back in October last year, um, is now literally on the, on the list of everybody. So um, Haas are quite keen on getting Nico. Uh, Alfa Romero are quite keen on getting Nico. And there's even a call for Nico to go uh, and drive with Red Bull, if obviously uh, a racing point. But uh, it does seem that he's, uh, he's going to get a drive somewhere. Alfa Romeo are... Um, one of the options he has, which would be for their own choice of seat, because they have two choices, one for theirs and one which is the Ferrari supported driver. And despite having the least impressive results in F2, still okay, uh, there is more money on Mick Schumacher going into the second seat for PR reasons and everything else. Uh, so they're saying Mick Schumacher and Nico Hulkenberg. The interesting person who put that forward was a certain R. Schumacher. Yes, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Ralph. Ralph. Ralph, I, I, Mick Schumacher. I've watched a lot of um, F2 this year. He's right. Uh, he's all right. That's in it. the sprint no, no. race. He's, he's all right. He's all right in the sprint he race. He was fourth in the or third in the, in the long distance, wasn't he? That, that, and that's the best result he's had there this year. He can't manage tyres. I think, cannot manage tyres. I think those tyres are difficult. I also think it's interesting. I, I listened to a. a, a podcast recently and people going oh it's amazing how well the rookies are doing this year in F2 and I was thinking it's they're not rookies it, everyone's started from scratch on the 18 inch tyres it's, it's, there's mm. no, all you've learnt if you've done the previous year is how the steering wheel works everything else is different because well, and the teams are struggling more than anybody yeah, else no one's got a set up the tyres are completely different and yeah. the tyres fair point and so therefore I'm not, I'm not saying these rookies aren't great but I, I wouldn't decry the people in their second season because there's virtually virtually to no carryover there's even less carryover when you go from different generations of car in my opinion mm-hmm. but obviously we have an expert in, uh, in lower formula what do you think Tim? I don't think it's a particularly strong year for Formula 2 this year Listen to Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode 35, at Specutainment, please. Uh, thank you uh, to all of you who are listening, getting good response from the Sirius XM uh, um, announcement recently with Sean there. 138 on Sirius, 202 on XM if you're in the US uh, or in Canada. Uh, as well, Andy Blackmore reminds me that they do get the satellite uh, up there, although not the online uh, streaming services, or at least you don't need an online streaming service. You've got us. We're on RS1. So, but if you go out in the car and you haven't got data, then by all means, uh, use 138 or 202. Uh, where are we go to next, Tim? We're going to America. Are we? Yes. I'm not allowed to go. To, we're not allowed to go to America at the moment. They don't want us. Uh, Shay's already there, so we'll talk to her. Excellent. <laughs> Shea Adam uh, Ray joins us. Uh, hello, Shea. Oh, no. No, she doesn't. Okay, Shea Adam she... doesn't rejoin us. Do you want to do something well, else that's... instead? Well, shall we find out what's on with Creelsey and the team tomorrow night? Not at the moment. Shall we do something else instead? Well, no, we can try Shea again now, because okay. now she is you there. Try Shea. Hello, Shea. Hello, John. Where are, are, are you at swimming baths? Yes, yeah, I'm out by a pool. Right, okay. I, I wondered that earlier on. Uh, it was a screaming Indica- children that gave it away. It was. Uh, the, <laughs> exactly. uh, let's talk about IndyCar first of all. After what I felt was a pretty good Indy 500, second win for Tacoma, of course, uh, just over a week ago, we had uh, rather, in fact, all the single seater. Uh, top-class single-seater racing at the weekend was a bit tedious. I thought there was two, there were two very uninspiring, shall I put it that way, races 
at uh, at the weekend in the Bomberito 500, breaking broken down into two. 250, slight bit of interest at the end of both of them, where there was a bit of a battle for the lead, bit of bit yeah. of jeopardy. But other than that, uh, excitement at the start of the first one. Uh, Alexander Rossi getting bumped <laughs> bumped out, and he wasn't very happy. Well, yeah, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you at all in terms of them being fairly dull races. Uh, the start of race one sort of set the pace for the whole weekend, really. True in that it was a little bit of a cluster. Nobody really had any control as to what was really going on, unfortunately. Um, Alex Pelu pulled out a line a little bit. Uh, we had Oliver Askew getting mixed up in there. Three of the- Oliver Askew. Four. Oliver Askew as, uh, who was it who called him that? I think it was, um, it was Michael Andretti. And I thought everybody was a bit askew at the weekend, actually, yes. in fairness at some stage. It was it was the perfect termination for it. Um, Simon Pagano got caught up. It just was not a very good, clean, uh, promising way to kick things back off. And then, of course, there was the delay before the start of race two as well, when one of these service vehicles dropped fluid on the track, and then they had a massive delay to clean that up. But race one really just sort of meh. Um, would classify it best. There was some really good battling at the end when Sato was trying to hunt down Dixon, but you're never going to catch Scott Dixon when he's in the lead at the end of a race. Well, and unless he wants goes. to win. Exactly. Yeah. It? Now, now I, I will say one thing. I will say one thing. Uh, Rossi was clearly not happy at the start of that race. Yeah. And and we've, we've made the point of saying sometimes it's a bit whingy. His answer to Hinch's question about what happened, I thought was brilliant. And I'm, I loved I'm, it. I'm quick enough to to criticise so it's only fair that that we go the other way and what was it and I think he Hinch had been involved in in what he talked about as well which made it even a little bit more funnier well and he said I was driving straight I don't know what you want me to say so he nailed it perfectly in terms of what was expected and, and then he said, it, it sort of reminds me of one of the first eye races we had earlier on this season at Milwaukee, yeah. which I'm pretty sure was him and Hinch that got tied up in that, tangled up in that as well. So I, I thought that was all right. Race two um, was uh, very similar. Safety cars uh, didn't really play too much of a part. I feel, feel sorry for Jack Harvey in the first one because he was on his way to a really good um really good result um, until the safety car caught him out, got caught on the wrong side of it. Uh, And it was the same sort of thing. You know, we just had somebody that got the tyre strategy and the fuel strategy right. uh, And there wasn't much going on. No. um, And race two was really a race where some of the people that were used to being prominent were almost like ghosts. They were Mm. on the track. People like Rossi, perfect example, on the track racing, driving as well as he could and finishing, I think it was 12th, maybe 17th. It's still not a good result at the end of the day. Um, But at the end of the weekend, we have Scott Dixon with a massive points lead, Joseph Newgarden getting the win, pulling himself back firmly into second, still with a chance at this. But we don't know how many more IndyCar races there are going to be this season. So we've got that element of question. How much time do you have to try and catch Scott Dixon? The answer, quite simply, in my book, is not enough. Yeah, well, Dixie looking very, very strong indeed. Uh, We have the reorganised and rehomed Watkins Glen 
international. So the sail in six hours, effect effectively, is now the uh, Michelin Tire Rack uh, Grand Prix. Uh, at uh, Michelin Road Atlanta. Sorry, the Tyrac Grand Prix at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. Uh, much like uh, Le Mans, the entry list has been a bit of a movable feast and some bad news for one of the uh, top top teams and one of the top drivers in LMP2. Uh, yeah, Performance Tech, based out of uh, Deerfield Beach, Florida, not too much further north of me, actually. Um, they will not be participating in the race this weekend due to circumstances surrounding COVID-19. Now, they have Cameron Castles as their full-season driver. He's Canadian. He's been coming down to do the races throughout the entire season, currently sits second in points, uh, one behind the points leader, I believe, off the top of my head. So it's a dramatic situation for Cameron, who's been in the LMP2 championship for a couple of years now, and he's always been a factor in it. This is going to take him out of that running. So that is something really, really bad. It also leaves us only with two cars in LMP2, which is the same number that we had at the Motul Petit Le Mans last year. Mm. And if you remember, both of them were out by the fifth hour. So for a six-hour race, I'm hoping that we can get both cars to the finish. Uh, anything else that might change uh, in terms of what we could see at the weekend? I uh, have to remind everybody, uh, we'll have... Free practice two for WeatherTech on Friday and then qualifying. And the race, the six-hour race, is Saturday. So pilot challenges on Sunday. So it's another swap around this weekend. Anything else of, of good note? Yeah, we've got 28 cars for the six-hour race, uh, including Grasser. We welcome them back with their wow. Lamborghini. Uh, the second car, which we knew was going to be driven by Schutthurst and Highstand, they welcome Richard Westbrook. So he's coming back to the paddock, and I'm really excited to see him back this weekend. Um, in terms of the support series, really healthy field. 16 cars for the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge, 16 cars for the Lamborghini Super Trofeo Series, and 33 cars for, remember, the four-hour Michelin Pilot Challenge race, including, now, you've got a championship-leading car. You've got the ability to add a third driver. Jerome Blake Mullen is busy that weekend. Uh, who would you go for? Oh, how about Colin Brown? That's oh, not really? a bad option. He's joining the Riley Technology Mercedes with Dylan uh, Murray and uh, Mr. Cox. So that is going to be a crazy fast car. Uh, that's very good indeed. Uh, Cher, Jeremy, and Brian Till joining me on RS2 at the weekend. Before we uh, wrap up on uh, on the American news, uh, it was the end of the regular season for IMSA, for IMSA, for NASCAR Cup <laughs> at the weekend. Not quite. Yeah, I know. For NASCAR Cup at the weekend uh, a weekend that saw in terms of the regular season kevin harvick and the number four shr uh, machine uh, effectively at the top of the standing so uh, you know they get they get the kudos for being top of the class at the end of the regular season but very importantly and a nice big trophy well yes and, and that is that is nice um i i do think yeah. that's nice that that is is recognized but all four shr cars in the in the playoffs in the round of 16 and eight of the 16 cars have the blue oval on the front yeah. of them so a very strong showing by ford this year crazy to think that we've got a an off season kyle bush is in the playoffs he hasn't won a race 
in a year. So it's sort of wild. But we bid farewell to Jimmy Johnson and any chance that he has of clinching another championship. He's going to go down in the record books as being one of three drivers only to claim more than seven championships in the history of NASCAR. But it won't be an eighth this year. And he was right there on the bubble, unfortunately, with his teammate, William Byron, winning his first ever race, which congratulations, William, and clinching his own playoff spot. It kicked Jimmy out below the cutoff line. So our drivers are Harvick, Hamlin, Keselowski, Logano, Elliott, Truex Jr., Blaney, Bowman, Byron, Dillon, Custer, Almirola, Boyer, who you had a great conversation with the other day. He was on Bush, fire. Bush, and Di Benedetto. Uh, and, and we start off uh, at the weekend at Darlington for the throwback race. Uh, in the first awesome. in the first three, we've got Darlington and Bristol in there. So, in fact, all the first three short tracks. So, Clint Boyer was telling me at the weekend that he, he was really looking forward to it uh, because he feels that short tracks are his thing. Um, I mean... I thought Tony Stewart at the weekend on the the Pikes Peak Live with Mobile One was very sensible about it. Look, you know, we've just got to make yeah. sure we get our cars through. It would be nice to have three different winners and have them all be our cars in the first three. But we've got to get through and make sure we don't get knocked out in the round of 16. And to be quite honest, it hasn't happened very often that there are three different winners in the different no. rounds. Quite Quite frankly, it comes out being one guy wins two races or maybe even wins three races. This is where the momentum really changes. And this is where it doesn't really matter how well you've done in the regular season. So, yes, Kevin Harvick has that nice shiny trophy, but that's not going to guarantee him admission to the next round. If he has two crashes, he's going to need to win that third race. And when you've got short track racing, that's a real possibility. And the third one is at Bristol. And you you do not want to have to win at Bristol to keep your, your playoff uh, situation going. Tim, you got anything else for, for Shea or can she get back into the pool now? I think she can get back into the pool unless she wants We've to. We've got the wrong end of this job, haven't we, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the pool at this yeah. time of night. <laughs> it's not, not this time guys. of night there. <laughs> That's night the swimming, as uh, R.E.M. would say. Yes. Well, she's not that far away from where R.E.M. came from either. Oh, good point. Yes, Athens, Georgia. Isn't yeah, it? very good. Thank you, Shea. Speak to you at the weekend. Thanks, guys. Uh, Shea Adam joining us from the state. So the playoffs starting at the weekend for NASCAR. Uh, we've got IMSA on Friday, Saturday and Sunday with uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on Friday, uh, final free practice and qualifying. Uh, and then the race on Saturday, all of the challenge races over Saturday and Sunday. And the pilot challenge, of course, is on Sunday. I think it's two Lamborghinis and two Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge US Series by Yokohama that we'll be looking after at the weekend. So plenty for you to get your teeth into, both in sound and, of course, uh, in sound and vision for most of you. Right, we've got about just over 10 minutes to go on Midweek Motorsport Series 15, Episode 35. Tim's already told you about tomorrow evening's magazine show that kicks things off at 8 o'clock. That's the Tour Radio Show. Here's Richard Creel to tell us what will be along at 9 o'clock. This week on The Grid, your Aussie look at all the motorsport news and views. Dynamic duo Rihanna Crayon and Will Davison join the team for a chat about their turbulent 2020 seasons this week. The pair dialed in from Townsville, where they both shared pit lane reporting gigs 
for two different networks. Interesting times indeed. It's a great chat. The pair reflect on the year so far. Will's new drive for the Bathurst 1000, E-Series exploits, and a whole heap more. We then break down the last weekend of racing and look ahead to next week's Supercars finale of at least the last month of racing. All the usual news and views and... Formula One at the bend. Is that a possibility? We throw that in the mix. Listen in 9 p.m. UK time Thursday nights on RS1. Love to have you with us. Always worth a listen on, fr- on Thursday evenings. I'm, I have tuned in. Uh, and uh, then, of course, Friday. Check at the uh, check the schedule for details on RS2 of the weekend. It automatically uh, switches the start time to whatever time you are setting and you, if your browser time uh, if uh, you haven't noticed that already get a lot of tweets always saying oh it says such and such a time is that local time or ah, yes. UK time it's not it's it's your time time time, time. Uh, it's whatever you've got your browser set up I have no clue how uh, the computer knows that but it does the website knows that. it's magic and it's Tim's magic oh, it's Google's magic, magic actually is it Google's magic? Okay. Uh, gone off it already. <laughs> so uh, uh, a bit of Billy Bonus coverage of uh, FP2 uh, on Friday evening, as it will be here in the UK for world for world sportscast for WeatherTech sportscast. Because uh, everyone right, looks last... forward to Friday night, don't they? Why? Well, we've got free practice on Friday evening. Yes. Uh, but and qualifying and qualifying, they're both yeah. on Friday night. Yes. And we all, uh, we love Fridays. Friday night, this Friday night's also being eagerly awaited for another reason, isn't it, Nick? England versus Australia in the first T20. Is it? Another uh, motorsport reason. Right. If it, is it something to do with some awful rallying thing, isn't it? The World Rally Champion, the FIA World <laughs> Rally Championship <laughs> is back. We are so in tune now, aren't we? <laughs> Too many years. I knew this was going to... Right, uh, yeah, it's going to be a rally thing, isn't it? It's, it's in Estepona. It, no, it's in... Can I, can I just say now, I know a lot of people love rallying, and I'm very happy they're happy, but that's what, what I'm saying. What is it? We've never really asked this question. What is I've it? I've told you this before. It's not racing, it's a time trial. Well, that's fine. Nobody's saying it's racing. No, I like motor racing. I'm not a fan of motor time trials. I'm not interested. I'm not really interested in hill climbs. I'm not really interested in sprints. I'm interested in the competitive between side two by cars side. on the track at the same time. Well, it's more than two cars, hopefully. Yeah, it only takes two cars yeah. to make a race. I mean, so you're not interested in qualifying then? No, because that's, that, that I am. Because it's a precursor to the actual race. It's right. part of the whole thing, isn't okay. it? Okay. It's part of the whole build-up. So single the, car qualifying. Still fine because it's part of it's building up to a race. It's part okay. of the preamble. It's like I'm I'm even interested in how you achieve the end race result. Like I, golf. Do I like golf? Yes. No, can't stand golf. Right, okay. Actually, complete lie. I we very much like crazy there. golf. I like crazy golf, whatever. It's not called crazy golf in America, is it? It's called, it's, you know, little... I know yeah. what you mean when you yeah. say crazy golf. Yeah, I don't like... I, I've played proper golf twice and got bored four holes in. Right. No, I'm, I, just, I, just, I like competition. I know and you don't see competition away from against the, subject the time. here. You don't say, I oh, know, but he's not going to. He's not going to let you talk about rallying. So, I don't need to switch right now. I don't in any way belittle the fan, incredible skill of the rally drivers. Mm. I don't in any way say it's not a legitimate motorsport. It's just not your float my boat. Okay. As soon as we get through, but this, do you buy Conor Kilty Black about a uh, talk about an ex Formula One driver next? So well, that's good. 
Uh, it starts it? with like a 1.28-kilometre dash through the host city, Tartu. Right. Tartu were a band, weren't they? They were the Russian, those, those yeah, yeah. The ones who pretended to be lesbians but weren't. But they came third in the Eurovision Contest. Is that the one that... No, Limbit Open. Everything she wants. No, no, that was the wants. cheeky girls, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was, that was an answer today on Popmaster, which I did get. Um, the roads the, around... How uh, broken do you want to go now? The roads around Tartu are some of the fastest in the world. Last year, uh, Tanak won this event at an average speed of 120.3 kilometres an hour. That would have been quick enough to make it into the top 20 fastest WRC rounds of all time had it been a round of the WRC last year. Uh, it was just a test. So event, who's the Formula driver? Uh, Tanak is going to be a man in demand, the local hero and megastar from the Estonian island of Sarema. Uh, last year, uh, at the launch of Tanak the movie, police closed roads to allow him and Martin Yaveoa <laughs> to drive a Toyota Yaris untroubled through the streets to the film premiere, despite them being packed with well-wishers and flag wavers. Darren's just said, do you not like the Isle of Man TT either? Because that's a time trial. Yeah, but they're, they're all the cars, they're all, they're all on the same time. Well, so are you in rally. Not, the, the one, one rally doesn't do 36 kilometres, one car doesn't do. Motorbikes is different, is it? Yeah. Okay. Quite like, I, yeah. Double standards there, Darren. I think, I you've, I think you've seen the yeah, floor yeah, in his I, plan. For example, I like, what, like, like my bikes. I'm very not, I like watching the trials and everything else as well. Right. No, <laughs> dear, it is really double standards there. Two wheels, it's more flexible. Is that the, is that the first WRC round of, of the year? No, they had loads of them at the start of the year. They had Monte Carlo. It just seems a long time ago. Sweden, which wasn't snowy because it was... Oh, yes, I do remember that. I remember that. that. Yeah, Yeah. I do remember that. So who's leading then? And and they also had um, Mexico. (laughs) Sebastian something. So um, leading the championship is Sebastian Ogier. Of course he is. (laughs) He has 62 points. Uh, That puts him eight clear of uh, Welshman Elvin Evans. Uh, Thierry Nerville is third. He's a further 12 points behind. Uh, then it's Robin Perry, uh, Tanak, Sunanen, Lappi, and Katsuta to finish up the top eight. Uh, Sebastian, sorry, Sebastian Loeb only took part at Monte Carlo, uh, so he's ninth in the points and uh, has eight points, same as Katsuta and um, several other drivers. If you do like rallying, unlike Nick, then keep I realise I'm in the minority, by the way. And keep keep an eye, keep your eye open for Mobile One the Grid, which restarted uh, this week. Uh, some people will have already had it on whatever channel you normally get it on at the weekend. Some of you will be getting it this week. So Mobile One the Grid is back on the air, and uh, if you go to Mobile One the Grid, uh, then you can uh, to their website. Uh, com. Uh, then you can have a look at some additional bits and pieces as well. Doesn't it like Rallycross? Of course, the do. It's racing, isn't it's it? Racing. It's like a, uh, side by side. I, I don't have a, I don't have an aversion to the word rally. <laughs> Rallycross is a fantastically pure form of racing. I think we might need <laughs> something to talk else about I need to do. Rallycross uh, in the coming weeks. It's the Nations Cups coming up, isn't it? That's why I think we need to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, at Lyndon Hill. Hill yes. Unfortunately, I'm busy that weekend. The best ever, ever. In fact, possibly one of the best ever motorsport events I've ever seen was the Nations Cup at, that was held at Croft many years ago in October. And it was nearly dark by the time it was finished. 
Martin Shank, Demi Mavropoulos. But that was that was the 1980s in the northeast. It was always, it was always dark. dark. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Um, and I just, I, 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 it was just a great event. I thoroughly, thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. I've got some news. Go on. Uh, I'm I'm not driving. <laughs> A Golf GTI TCR. <laughs> at the, uh, you've at been, the you've been right on for the last hour and a half, haven't you? Been sitting, have. and there's been a great gnashing of teeth. John was offered. I just see you know, John has been offered the chance to drive in the Nurburgring 24 in a TCR car with that famous thing, a free ride. But he hasn't got the ticket, have you? I was supposed to do my uh, ring permit last year, and I didn't have time to do it. The irony is, I've had loads of time to do it this year, but <laughs> haven't been able to go I to Germany. Been in to get Germany. It. Hmm. No, indeed. Uh, I mentioned the former Formula One driver. Yay! Sorry. (laughs) Uh, He said, We had a strong start to the weekend, making it into Q3 and starting eighth. I picked up two places, our pace was great, and we were looking set for a good result. I made several attempts to pass the car in front, but the effort wore out my tyres. I had to come in together with another driver and got a puncture, which ultimately ruined my race. Qualifying is vital to secure a good result to the championship's new race format, so we need to work harder in the upcoming races to start higher on the grid. The team did a great job to deliver a quick car, but we were just unfortunate, so let's aim higher at the next one. That was in Rallycross, was it? That could be no. Any, any. What race series was he racing in, a former Formula One driver? If this he was in Q2. is Super Formula. Uh, right, so it's over in Super Formula. No clue. Didn't see any of it at the weekend. Who's who's is it someone who's done a lot of Grand Prix? Like two. Uh he's done a lot of Max Grand Chilton. Prix. He's not the only ex Formula One driver in this championship either, because uh Suzuki in this as well. Can oh, is it say Kamui Kobayashi? Kamui Kobayashi is correct. Thank you. I, I to be honest, I actually um really stupidly I didn't think about the Japanese drivers. I was trying to think of like some you know, up-and-coming Red Bull person who dropped four times. Very good. But it was actually obviously the obvious place where you should really think about the most obvious place for a super formula driver to come from, which would be Japan. Japan. There are a lot of Japanese drivers in uh, super formula this year uh, mm-hmm. because it's so difficult for anyone else to travel yes, there. Yes, because Yuri Vips was supposed to be in it but couldn't get there, so he had to do F2 instead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Sophia Flourish got to pick her... her um, replacement because she owns the car. Really? Yeah. That's brilliant. Which was good. Uh, uh, did I see somebody else? Sorry, Tim, go Only ahead. two non-Japanese um, drivers taking part, they being Nick Two Cassidy and Sasha Fenestras. Does that Nick live in Japan now? He does, yes. He yes. Does. Has done for a while, hasn't he? Sasha Fenestras, I, I, he's done it for a couple of years, hasn't he? Uh, he has. Okay, cool. I know, it's his first year in Super Formula. He's done Super GT. Ah, yeah, he's been out there in the other series. So, you do the Super GT for fun, you do Super Formula for the money. I mean, let's be honest, Super GT and Super Formula, what kept... uh, uh, Andy's uh, three-hour Sky program going for about seven years, didn't they? Andy Marriott. Andy Marriott. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing, that program, because he, yeah, he picked up and getting him and him and Ben used to commentate on it. And I used to think, yeah, this, they were quite, uh, after an hour and ten minutes of performance, you could have cut this slightly, Andy, but no, he just needed the minutes. Alan Prosser said that the Five Nations British Rally Course started last weekend at Lydon. Mm, okay. I need to find... Uh, for next week, so yes. at Spectatainment, 
for next week. <laughs> um, I've got pass? I've got a weekend off. Shock horror. When? Not not this weekend coming. Next weekend. I've got That's nothing. That's the weekend that Lime Rock should have been on but was cancelled. Yes. Correct. You're right. There's nothing on that weekend. You're yeah. completely correct. Yeah. So I need some suggestions of something that I can go and watch, or better still, somebody I can go that something I can go and compete in. Oh, right. No, no, like, no, obviously, no, you're limited on. by where you can travel to, aren't you? But happy in the UK. I've got an exemption if I want to go to Europe. Mm. So long as I'm um, working in motorsport. As an elite athlete. 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 So we're looking. And, and at I'm the looking weekend. at you now going, yep, I can see that. Can you not see <laughs> the eliteness <laughs> no, of my athleticism? Yeah. We're looking at the weekend yes. of the 11th, yes? Yes. I don't, want, I don't want you to mention anything. I want the listener. So add Specutainment before next Wednesday, please, with some suggestions of to keep me from sitting around and doing nothing at home. Not that that would ever happen. <laughs> Eve has just said on the chat, we have plenty of jobs to do. Mm. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, Skype, will that's a Skype placed flick on the ear, wasn't it? Just some suggestions of things I'm, I might not be able to do then. Not this weekend, but next weekend. I, I mean, Thank. there is something going on at Lydon. Is there? Yes. Excellent. There's something going on at Pembroke. Something going on at Silverstone. That's nice and local for you. That's closer. What's yeah. it at the Silverstone? Uh, TBC. Ah, okay. Excellent. I love one of those. I, I haven't done a TBC uh, race for ages. It's organised by the British Racing and Sports Car Club, so I'm sure it'll be... There'd be something in there that I could get into. Mm. Or you could head the other uh, direction to Donington Park. Yes, what's on there? Don't know. TBC. Thank you to Sean Gibbons from Sirius XM for joining us on the big interview tonight. For Nick Tandy for giving us uh, his time last week and allowing us to talk a little bit about something we weren't really supposed to be talking about because it was still under embargo kind of just sneak that one in uh, at the end nick damon joined me john hindorf uh, and tim gray was our executive producer up in london Shea adam was our u.s correspondent and the responsible adult uh, did <laughs> a fantastic dinner and kept us all in our places <laughs> which i suggest might continue <laughs> after the jingle tomorrow yeah. night it's torah radio show from eight and on the grid from nine and then on friday uh, it will start the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship coverage with free practice two before qualifying. And then Saturday and Sunday, lots of racing on RS2. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, there's no time to explain. Uh, the Llama apparently has a lot of bubble wrap for next weekend. <laughs> Don't know what that means. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.